Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with each other, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look out for one another. Let's speak His word and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking our social media platforms for updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. Good morning. I am so excited to be able to address you today. And I'm going to be speaking primarily to uh, those, well, you're all over the world, but I'm going to be speaking primarily to those of you that are facing the challenges of an election, facing the challenges of upheaval, facing the challenges of laws that are being passed in the dark of night, under the cover of COVID, where we have all kinds of corruption taking place while we shut the nation down. Don't worry, the government leaders are working their little things behind the scenes to make terrible decisions that the average person will suffer from. This is what the Bible talked about, perilous times. It was a season, a time in the ages when honesty and truth would fall in the streets, when people would be uh, unable to even believe that such terrible deeds could be done. We're talking about changing in Zimbabwe the age of consent to 12 years old for a little girl, taking it out of the hands of the parents and putting it in the hands of the state, a state that can't even fix the roads, want to take care of families. This is absolutely ludicrous. In America, you have an election that's gone all over the place and corruption is evident in so many cases. Well, it's the spirit of the age. The Bible says it's the age of lawlessness. Lawlessness. And I just think you have to watch very careful. Lawless deeds and lawless acts are the signs of the return of Christ. He says when the age is so lawless that God will remove that which constrains. Did you know that you and I are the salt and the light that restrains darkness from just taking everything over? That's why it's so important that you and I take our rightful places as believers, repent of our sins, confess Christ, and be salt and light to a lost and dying world. And today, I want to begin to talk about a topic that we don't talk much about. It's called repentance. But I want you to understand something. Repentance starts with God. In fact, everything good starts with God. We're always dependent upon the grace of God. You see, apart from God's grace and apart from the moving of His Spirit, we cannot repent. The Bible says this, that God is the Father of lights. It says, and every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, no shadow, no turning. But I tell you what, thank God He doesn't change. He's the God who gives good gifts. At the beginning of the year, we focused on the 80th Psalm in our Word of the Year. Not only is this psalm significant prophetically because we're entering the decade of the 80s or the decade of speaking, but it's also key to the kind of things that we need to do for our lives and the kind of words we need to be speaking, things that we do and say to be powerful, to be powerful people. Psalm 80, when you read it, the same phrase occurs three times in the psalm. In verse 3 it says, 
Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. One version says, restore us, O God. Restore us, O God. But for today, an equal translation is, turn us back. That's the translation I want to use. Because what it means is, cause us to repent. Verse 7 says, turn us again, or turn us back, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. Verse 19, turn us again, and we shall be saved. I think it's very powerful that God tells us that that he would turn us back, turn us again. Three times we see the phrase, turn us back, and we shall be saved. So what I want you to see today is, and, and what it has to do with, is the idea of repentance. One of the most important things that we as believers must understand is that the whole is the holy spirit's role in bringing you and i and those who do not believe into the grace of salvation and into a place of repentance it's the holy spirit's job it's his responsibility to turn us in fact the role of the holy spirit in people's lives is to convict the world of sin of righteousness, and of judgment. You can find that verse. In fact, I'd like you to look at it in John 16, verse 8. Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit and His coming. It says, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Wow. He'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Sometimes we think that's a, you know, just God's judgment. But here's what it really is. The fact is, a man cannot repent unless God is involved. See, this is God's grace. In fact, it's actually God's goodness. Romans 2 and verse 4 says this, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads a man or leads you to repentance? See, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's God moving on our behalf that leads a man or a woman to repentance. Romans 11, 22 says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you shall also be cut off. Wow. God says that there's kind of like a double-edged sword on this. Severity and goodness. And we can be cut off. But see, the turning starts with God. In fact, it's a vital moment in a person's life when God begins to turn them. If a person shrugs God off and turns away from God's grace, he or she is on really shaky ground. There's a severity that comes with the goodness of God. You know, uh, I've known people that have rejected their time. They've rejected their place when they were being dealt with. I've had people say to me, oh, I'll get saved when I get older. I'll get saved sometime later on. I I, I can tell you this. I've actually seen lives that never did get back on track. They didn't avail themselves of that grace. They didn't avail themselves of that convicting power. They didn't avail themselves of God's goodness. They didn't turn to God when God had turned them and turn to them. I'm not saying those people didn't get saved. I'm just saying that sometimes it would appear 
they didn't respond. But I know this, that we cannot repent when we're left to ourselves. We're dependent on God to initiate repentance. Lamentations 5 and verse 21 says, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. Lamentations is the story of Jeremiah, mourning over the destruction of Jerusalem because of its continuing rebellion against God. The people of Jerusalem continually turn their hearts away from God. Even Jesus lamented over the same city, Jerusalem. The Bible says he wept because they did not recognize the hour of their visitation. They couldn't see him as the Messiah. They couldn't understand what God was doing. They hardened their hearts against God. You know, this is a solemn thought. You cannot turn unless God starts to turn you. That's why it's such a sensitive moment in every person's life. Many, think, many people think, and I said this before, that they can turn when they want to, when they want to turn. But I'm persuaded that we must respond to saving grace when it avails itself, when it avails itself in our lives and in the lives of those that God is having us minister to. That's why it's important to pray for those that we come in contact with and to be able to give an answer for the things that we believe. We're used by God to affect the lives of people in our spheres of influence. But we can never make a person repent or we can never make a person turn towards God. I can't force somebody to turn to God, but I can pray, I can ask, I can plead, I can seek God and I can preach. See, the Bible teaches that there's only one alternative to repentance. In Luke 13, verses one through five, the Bible says, they were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think you that, you are, that they were sinners above all? All men that dwell in Jerusalem, I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what Jesus is talking about here is a, a story where they brought to his attention these Galileans. And obviously they were offering sacrifice in the city of Jerusalem. And Pilate came and slew some of them and smingled their blood with their sacrifice. It was a horrendous thing, a terrible persecution against Jews, a terrible persecution against these Galileans. Or a wall fell on some people and they were dying. And, and, and he's comparing it. He says, listen, all of us are going to perish. Likewise, if we don't or haven't repented. So listen, there's only two alternatives. Either repent or perish. Now these aren't my words. Don't shoot the messenger. These are the words of Jesus. You see, it's repentance. Repentance is the way to faith. You really cannot come to faith without first having repented. Hebrews 6, I love this, verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And then it goes on and says what these principles were. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and laying on of hands and of resurrection from the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. Now, those are the foundational truths. Can you imagine where we're at? Some of the people in the body of Christ have never even studied those foundational truths. 
But the first one is repentance from dead works. You see, what are dead works? Well, I, there's many people have all kinds of things, but I, I believe boiling it right down, dead works is anything that we do that is not done with faith towards God. Anything not done with faith is a dead work. It only attracts something to ourselves, a credit to ourselves. But when we do it by faith, it brings glory to God. The only thing that can bring life into our activity, into the things that we do, is faith. Now, you may have been a good church attender and have given your finances to the poor, even helped out in the things that you thought were helping the kingdom of God. But if they were not done in faith, they were just dead works. We all must learn to turn away from the things that are not done by faith or in faith. It is faith alone that gives life to what we believe and what we do. Understand, that doesn't mean that you have necessarily been leading a sinful life. It just means that you have not been alive to God because faith has not come into your life and brought with it the life of God. We must understand what repentance is. It is not an emotion. You know, I've seen people worked up into an emotional position and then be called upon to make a profession of faith in Christ. In fact, I've been guilty of that myself. Working people up, trying to, because I want them saved so badly. But the problem with this is that it can leave the person skeptical. Because emotion will always wear off. Leaving the person with nothing. You see, repentance is defined in the Bible as, it's not defined as an emotion, it's defined as a decision. It doesn't spring from the emotions, it emanates from the will. We are called to reach people's wills. When we do this, we will see permanent conversions to Christ and the power, not only to transform lives, but to bring about reformation in our churches, in our cities, in our homes, and in our nation. You know, many of the so-called conversions in church today are not permanent because they've never dealt with the will of the person. Many people have had an emotional experience. Oh, they got excited. They enjoyed the atmosphere. They enjoyed the music. They enjoyed the crowd. And for a few weeks or months or even years, they participate. But in the end, they don't have what it takes to carry on because their will has never been touched. Their will has never been submitted to the Lordship of Christ. There's two languages that the Bible's written in, Greek and Hebrew, and both deal with the word repent. And in the Greek, the word for repent means to change the way you think. So, first of all, to repent means to change your mind about the way you've been living. I've been living to please myself, to do my own thing. So from now on, I'm going to live to please Jesus. I'm going to turn the reins of my life over to my Lord and my Savior. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. You can repent without any obvious emotion. But you cannot repent without a change of your will. The Hebrew word for repent is to turn around. You've been facing one way. 
the wrong way, with your back towards God. You turn 180 degrees and you face God and you say, God, here I am. Tell me what you want to do and I'll do it. Now that's repentance. So when you put these two definitions together, you get a complete picture of repentance, a change of mind and a change of direction. And the engaging of our wills and a turning towards God. That's a pretty powerful place to be. But I want you to see something. I want you to see that faith can only come after repentance. Look again at this passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Can you see the progression there? It is a progression. It is a progression. You can't get to the eternal judgment before you've been baptized and before you've repented. The whole message of the Bible is in this order. In fact, if you study the Bible, you're going to see this constantly and consistently through the Bible. First of all, it's repent, then it's believe, and then it's be baptized. You see, repentance always precedes belief. I've often been asked why we don't christen or baptize babies. Well, the fact is, it lies in the fact that the pattern in the scripture is clear. Repent first. Can a baby repent? No. Believe or come to faith follows repentance. Can a baby come to faith? No. And then baptism follows your belief. It's your profession. You can't really attest to something that you don't believe. Your baptism, it, your baptism is an identification with Christ. So, with that thought in mind, there are a lot of people, many that are listening to me this morning, and they're struggling for faith. The truth is, you're not struggling for faith. The truth is that you've never met the condition for repentance. Repentance is the first of the six foundational doctrines. And if you don't have that foundation stone in place, your building will always be unstable. Most of the issues that I find with Christians who are struggling to walk with God lie in the issues around repentance. They just find it so hard to really come to a place of letting go. They've never repented. They've never really changed their minds. They've never really made a decision. They've never turned their back on sin and turned wholly to God. Never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in their lives. They're still thinking about their decisions from various points of view. Sometimes from cultural norms. This is why we have a breed of Christianity that can embrace all kinds of things that are forbidden in the scriptures while attending a Christian service and acting as though everything's okay. There are many that are concerned about what others might think, what it might cost them financially or socially and reputationally to really identify with Christ. These people ask questions like, 
If I do this, what will, what, 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 what will it do for me? Or if I do that, what will it do for me? Well, let me tell you something. When you've really repented, when you've repented, that's not the way you think. You think, if I do this, will it glorify Jesus? If I do that, will it glorify my Savior, Jesus? So today we have a multitude of people. They prayed a prayer at an altar, but they're still double-minded in their decision for Christ. This is why we have a nation that professes to be 85% Christian, but acts so wickedly and selfishly that the name of Christ is mocked in the public square. This is why politicians can't, can, can get up and they can quote the Bible while their policies violate the very core of Christian belief. The bill to reduce the age of consent for young girls by the state and remove this responsibility away from the role of parents is only the latest attack by duplicitous leaders against the very values and morals that uphold a functioning society. The Bible says, in the book of James, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man doesn't have a solid foundation. He cannot produce a stable building. And the effects of this are seen in the crumbling families, churches, institutions, and governments, not only here in Africa, but around the world. We've cut loose our Judaic Christian values and mores and, and, and morals, and we wonder why the world's teetering on the brink of all kinds of craziness. I think it would be good for all of us to just take pause, to ask ourselves about our repentance. Have I ever truly repented? Or am I still double-minded? Is my aim on Monday through Saturday to please Jesus? Or is church and Christianity just a thing I do on Sunday? Is it my aim to please Jesus on Sundays, but please myself on Monday? You see, if you live this way, you actually have the worst of both worlds. In fact, you'd be better off just living in the world. Because now... You're a double-minded person. You're a split personality. And the Bible says this. It says, but let him ask, or let him who asks, ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the waves of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You know, I want to call men to repentance today. I want to call myself to repentance. I have the privilege of preaching this gospel to so many. So many listen from all around the world. But the Bible told us that in these last days, everything that can be shaken would be shaken. And boy, I want you to know something. If you feel like you're being tossed by every wind of doctrine, if you feel like you can't get clarity on points, it's probably a good sign that you're not anchored and rooted correctly. It's time to root yourself in truth. It's time to root yourself in the Word of God. It's time to repent. Some of us are still looking to Egypt. We're still looking to the news. We're still looking to a government to solve our problems. I'll tell you, governments can't solve their own basic problems. 
but they're trying to solve our problems. Governments can't manage themselves, but they're trying to tell us how to manage ourselves. Governments are overreaching. We need to stand up. First of all, we need to repent. We need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, we've given way too much power to governments. We've given way too much power to ideologies and beliefs and movements. People telling us that everything that we need a vaccine to, we need to abort our children, that we need to do all kinds of things. We need to reduce the age of our children's sexual uh, encounters to 12. They want it even younger before that. And, and these, not, these are not African agendas. These are not godly agendas. These are not Christian agendas. These are ungodly, worldly agendas. But it doesn't begin with just pointing our finger. It begins with us, you and I, turning our hearts fully towards God, standing for the truth, letting his word, letting his will be done, his kingdom come in my life, then in my family, then in my sphere of influence, in my church. And then eventually we can impact and begin to not eventually, at the same time, we should be speaking out. We should be speaking to the society. We should be speaking to our government and say, enough is enough now. You can't even get clean water, but you're going to deliver a vaccine to everybody? Come on. This isn't right. I think it's important. And church, I'm asking you. I'm asking everybody that's under the sound of my voice to listen. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who convicts the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment. Right now, wherever you're at, you may be feeling the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't resist him. You may be even angered a little bit because the cognitive dissonance, somebody telling you that, hey, God loves you, but there's a grace, a goodness of God, and there's a severity of God. And boy, that, that doesn't always augur well. We don't like to be told that, hey, you know, I might not go to heaven. I might go to hell. Well, the truth is that there is a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. I, don't, I wouldn't want anybody to go to hell, but I wouldn't want you to res not respond to God's grace either. When he convicts us, sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I want you to know, that's God working on your behalf. On your behalf. All repentance starts with God. If today you're dealing with an issue of repentance in your life, if you need to come to Jesus, there are phone numbers right there on the screen. Phone someone. They can direct you to someone who can pray with you, to help you deal with your own conviction, and lead you to Christ. Or maybe you're a backslidden Christian. Maybe your life has just really gone off the rails and you've been resisting the grace of God. You've been toying with your repentance. You're double-minded. But you can see it in the instability of everything in your life. There's a way back. There's a path back. And if God's dealing with your heart, now's the time to pick up that phone. Somebody on the other end of that line can get you a hold of a pastor. They can get you a hold of a counselor. They can, they, we, we, there's lots of resources that we have. A class. Uh, or even come to the church. We're open now. We're having services. So come. Come and be with us. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. All I want you to know is that, as a pastor, I love you, and I love you enough to preach this gospel. 
from a position of the foundation truth. The greatest foundation is repentance from dead works. But that repentance starts with God reaching out to you, and he's doing it right now. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm praying for each person under the sound of my voice today. I'm asking, Lord, that you would cause your grace to stir us. Those of us that have been playing with sin, those of us who have not been able to respond. Father, we, we desire to respond to you today. We hear your voice. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you do touch our hearts and that you would see and desire that none would perish, but that all would come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, that all would come to a saving knowledge, and more importantly, that we would become like Christ. So, Father, we submit ourselves under your hand. I, I call for your Holy Spirit to convict of sin, of righteousness and judgment to those that don't know you in the world. And those who are believers that have chosen the path of the world, let your convicting work right now begin. Father, let us have enough grace to turn to you, respond to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. As we go, Stay safe, stay blessed, stay connected.